Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Hunting Land Man podcast. This is Slade Priest, your host, the Hunting Land Man. Rack buck down here on opening day. If you're interested in rack bucks and real estate and everything that has to do with hunting property, this is the podcast for you. Well, here we are, episode 20 of the Hunting Land Man podcast. I got New Ryan and myself on today. A really good topic, uh, kind of a last minute topic, but I think it's going to be a really good one now that I've been thinking about it how to price your land so if you're getting ready to sell land or you want to know what your land's worth this is how we go about pricing land and it's not just a number out of a hat or land sales for this much in an area there is a process and we're going to tell you all about it before we get too far as always this podcast is brought to you by southern ag credit they take really good care of myself and uh all of our clients, you know, they're, they're, they're a great company. There's other good companies out there. We use Southern Ag Credit uh, more than the rest, and there's a reason why. Um, so call Alex or Austin or any of the crew with Southern Ag Credit, Nathan, they'll hook you up. All right, here we go, episode 20, and, and, and thank you, new Ryan. Ryan's been in charge of this thing since day one, and our goal in the first year was 20 episodes, and we're, uh, we're, we're uh, maybe 53rd week since we started so we got pretty close to there and really it was my fault I went out of town last week had a good vacation to Virgin Islands and uh, didn't answer my phone very much which was hard for me to do but it turned out uh, real good Ryan Ryan had to ship while I was gone and we did we didn't sell anything when I was gone but as soon as we got back we sold what was it the 127 we had the 127 under contract Sunday night Monday morning um, yeah I mean we had Two showings on it, second showing, he was ready to put in an offer. So. And that, <clears throat> before we get going on how you price your land, that's something we need to talk about is a market update. We are February the 23rd. My birthday's tomorrow. Y'all don't spend too much, but, I, of course, I would like a little something for my birthday tomorrow. It's, uh, but anyway, we're uh, February the 23rd filming this, and we are rolling in 22 just as 2020 and 21. We've seen maybe an increase. 
Um, we've got 12 pending right now, and we have three contracts out. So we could have as many as 14 or 15 pending by the end of the week. Actually, possibly more than that because we just put two new listings on, or good listings online in the, yesterday. Um, the things, of course, big stuff is still selling more than it ever has, but the stuff, um, 400,000 to a million, you know, that mid range kind of stuff for what we do. Good Lord. It don't last. It, de- it lasts days and hours. Uh, we had 133 acres in Adams County. Um, what we sold it the first week, mm-hmm. four or five showings, yeah, four days, I think it was already in the contract and put then- it online on a Monday and had it under contract that Friday. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then the 127 Amick County connecting to the forest with a camp. What second showing you said? Mm-hmm. And uh, and all of these are like 95 percent of asking price. So there's not like there's yeah. they were they were pretty stern on their asking yeah. price. So as we always say, right now in this seller's market, which definitely still in the seller's market is, um, you know, if you see something you like, act fast and act strong. We don't see, you know, everybody. Oh, interest rates rose a little bit, and they did. Have we seen a slowdown? Absolutely not. They hadn't changed. The interest rates hadn't changed that much. And we're still in a supply and demand. If you're looking for stuff from a hundred thousand to a million, you're <laughs> it's almost it's a it's stuff that almost doesn't exist right now. It's very, very hard to find. And good big stuff is hard to find. We do have a good inventory of listings right now. If you hadn't checked us out, huntinglandband.net. Check out all our listings. Uh, we've got some good stuff right now. All right, let's go to it. How to price your land. All right, Ryan, you know, he's a year in as an agent now, and uh, he asks me these questions all the time. How did you come up with that price? So I've been helping him when he's been looking at tracks. He's helping a price. And so I thought Ryan would be perfect to have on here because he is sincerely asking mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. how we go about this. I'm going um, to kind of go down the list. And uh, we'll uh, we'll just go as you know as they come. All right. The first thing, of course, we set land prices by comps. What are comps? That's comparable sales. Land is so much different than houses in this neighborhood sell for two hundred twenty-two dollars a square foot. That's not how land is. Um, typically, have y'all have heard us before? We used to say, okay, dirt prices are here, timber prices are here, and and this is what stuff sells for in this area. It's changed a little. Um, timber market has been just so-so the last couple of years, but the recreation market is unbelievable. In your really good recreational areas, your Adams, Amit, uh, Wilkinson, Claiborne, Jefferson, it's kind of like this. Good hunting tracks sell for these numbers. And, okay, what makes a good hunting track? Um you know, uh, is it uh, the terrain is a big thing in the river counties. You know, how rough a track is can severely affect the prices. You know, uh, they may be good hunting tracks, but people, you know, with kids riding four-wheelers, accessibility, how hard it is to make food plots and stuff, those affect, you know, prices. Uh, flood ground, of course. You know, flood ground is appraised and valued totally different than ground that doesn't, uh, doesn't flood. Um, so it's good to, you know, your comparable sales. That's what we're really going off of. And I got a lot more that kind of goes into that. Ryan, what are your, you know, I see you over there thinking, you have any comments or concerns thus far? Well, I mean, my biggest thing, you know, when you start talking about, like I, one of my bullet points right here, which it kind of stems off from what you were talking about. And we are kind of getting a little deep into it right now, but you know, me as an agent, now start 
try to get some of my new stuff, got working on a couple of different deals here and there. Biggest thing for me starting out, and it's simple, it's so simple, and I know it is, it's going to be a simple answer for you, but, you know, you say, okay, timber, dirt, well, what about pasture? Because I know I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, pasture land right now, very rare, very hard to get your hands on, going to be a little bit higher in priced, you know, just kind of go into depth on that as well, going along with timber. Yeah, well, timber, pasture is a, is, is a whole different animal because pasture, you know, what was that? <laughs> pasture pasture uh it, it you know if you have improved pasture you know good ground uh, either uh you know rye grass ground or hay ground you know summertime ground fence cross fence working shoots that you know what is the pasture but pasture uh is usually a little easier because this pasture sold for this then you go into what area it is how's the road frontage how's the area and that can affect it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that can affect it a little bit um but pasture, you know, so where you – and you have to take that in consideration. Let's say you have a track that's half hunting land, half pasture, yeah. which we run into sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, those type of tracks, uh, you have to say, okay, a pasture sells for 3,300 an acre in this area and mm-hmm. timberland sells for that, mm-hmm. you kind of got to a mm-hmm. blended thing. And also, that's extremely attractive if you have yeah. both. So maybe you bump it up just a little bit because it's extremely attractive. And look – it's hard right now to price a place because things are selling so fast and things that three years ago I told you you're crazy if you think you will get that much money, they're selling for that. So it's a little bit tough right now, but you still have to be realistic. And I'm not going to take a listing that's just stupidly overpriced unless I have something to justify. If I can, ha- if I can justify the price by a comparable sale or anything like that, I will take the listing. Um, all right. So, of course, we're members of the MLS, not all uh people who sell land are you know your whitetail properties national land realty a lot of those guys mossy oak properties are not on the mls i think it's a good tool um that you can get on there and find old sales and things like that to help you know hey these are what the sales are and uh you know to get your comps some you know area knowledge i think is number one like fortunately for me in my office here at southern states realty you know, we sell more land than anybody in Southwest Mississippi. And so we kind of have our own comps. You know, I, I can walk down the hall and say, hey, what is this? What, what's this worth? What's this worth? And, and you know, kind of confirm some of the things maybe I was already thinking. And I do that. You know, if I get something in Pike County, I'll walk down and I'll talk to, I'll talk to Scott or I'll talk to Stuart, you know, because they work those areas a lot, talk to Kyle Bass. And, um, you know, and then, of course, Wilkeson County, I've got most of the comps, so it's not that I can do all that in my head. And Amit County, we, you know, Brent, Brent Barron, who we had on the last podcast, he does a lot in Amit County, and I do too, and so does Scott. So, you know, we can bounce those things off. Uh, I pull up, I can pull up my map writer Onyx and look at and look at the area, and I say, oh, yeah, this sold for that, that sold for that, and compare the property. So the way we, we said earlier, it's not, um, it's not like it's $200 a square foot like it is a house. So you take a place and you say, okay, this hundred acres of <laughs> this hundred acres of pine, you know, fifteen-year-old uh, pine timber with a couple of hardwood bottoms sold for this much. Okay, you're not going to probably have the exact acreage in the same place. Yeah. So you're going to say, okay, this is a roundabout. We're going to say this dirt sold for this, this timber sold for this, and we're going to come up. I mean, I'm going to be truthful with you. It's an educated guess. What we're trying to do is figure out what a place would appraise for. And then me, 
I like to put about 10% on top of it for normal negotiation. Now, usually we run about 93 to 94% of our asking price is what we get. Lately, with the hot market, we've been running more like 95. 96, yeah. And so, so I, I take all that in consideration. Now, uh, with, with area, and you, know, you may or may not, but kind of stemming off on that a little bit, do you, and this is going down, like this is getting real technical about it, but when you were going to price a track, do you take into consideration in the area of surrounding landowners, small, large, you know, just kind of depending on what's what it's sitting in the middle of? Yeah, I don't think it's a... It depends or is that getting too technical? Well, no, it depends on the area, okay? So let's say Wilkeson County, where we mm-hmm. sell the most mm-hmm. at. You know, if everybody wants 40 acres in the middle of a yeah. guy with 4,000. Yeah. You know, so yes, that could affect it. If it's, a, say, a Walthall County or something mm-hmm. like that, somewhere that's maybe not as uh, traditionally bought for big hunting land, maybe not quite as attractive, yeah. but it is. Yeah. It, it, the area would depend on the degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and also smaller tracks like that, especially when we talk about like the National Forest. Because they, yeah, that was my next, yeah. They're bought more like lots mm-hmm. and less like acres. Well, Slay, what do you mean by that? If you say, well, right now the going price for semi-smaller tracks in Wilkeson County is 4000 an acre, and then I say, okay, well, here's five acres by the National Forest. Different ballgame. Yeah. If that five acres got good power, good water, good road frontage, and good access to the forest and, you know, good campsite, hmm. Yeah. You know, you may get seven thousand an acre just because it's 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 a way better price point for somebody. It's more it's more about what the land can provide you and less about price per acre. Yeah. Uh, it's bought, bought more like a lot, for instance. So those factors, well, I mean, can come into play depending yes. on where you're at. Yes, yeah. they can come into play. And you know, when you when you look at this stuff from a buyer, I mean, a seller, buyer, or or an agent, you know, you look at a place, and sometimes when you ride on one, you're like, oh, man, I'd like to own this. Mm-hmm. Buyers get that feeling, too. Yeah. Sometimes places just sell for more because of the way they make you feel when you go on them. Yeah. Like you drive in a place, and it's got a couple of 100-year-old live oaks coming in. Yeah. It's like you can't replicate that. It's not a comp, quotation marks, if y'all can't hear my air quotation marks. That it's, emotional appeal. Yeah, you can't. And, and look, these places are bought. You know, most of the stuff we sell is bought with emotion. The emotion of a grandkid killing their first deer, the emotion of hearing that turkey gobble on March 15th. And so there's some things that aren't just quantifiable and places just sell for more because that's what that area sells for. So you go in, you know, you're, you were kind of starting to go in on one of my bullet points. You're talking about the drive-in. You're when the buyer drives up, immediate reaction. I had written down you know, cleanliness. I feel. Yeah, having your place you know, set up to where when a buyer does come on the property, you're not having limbs overhanging in your face when you're riding on the buggy. You got clean food plots, this and that. And, I mean, do you take in – because I know we've been to a property before and – you, you kind of been back and forth with the seller on price and, and you go and you finally lay your eyes on it and you're driving through and you got limbs coming into the buggy the whole entire. And I can remember you saying, you come in, clean these roads up. Yeah. I'll, I'll put this property on the market for this price, but until then it's not going to bring can't, you can't bring the buyers in it unless you got that. And what you're touching on, it's almost like a, a human emotion thing. Okay. So, uh, when you unload the buggy, okay, the first five minutes is important on a property. 
and this is for me too because it sets your mood. Uh, it's kind of like if you start your day right, the rest of your day is better. So it starts your move. You get there, you unload the buggy in a pretty spot. Uh, you know, you're not standing in a snake hole or a mud hole or or a, a logging ramp that's washing out. You know, th- those type of things are nice entrance. It sets your mood. And in the first five minutes, you may have already bought this place yeah. in your head or put a price on this place in your head, and it's going to take something really negative. It's... Li- it's going to take something really negative to unsell it to you at that point. On the other hand, if you start way down here on the negative end, it's going to take something really positive yeah. to sell it to you on the back. So yeah. it's, it's, I appeal is huge. I have a really good example of this. I have a place, new, um, Old Ride, and I bought in Missouri right now, and we hadn't cleaned it up or anything yet, but Bear Cub wanted to go show it the other day, yesterday. And he said, man, it just is ugly around those old camps and stuff like that, which is all stuff we plan on tearing down and hauling off and stuff like that. We just hadn't got to it yet. So when that buyer went on there, he saw a negative, and then he had – he did. I don't know if he found enough positive where he's going to buy it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you ride in there and it already looks good, if the food plots are planted, mm-hmm. if the box stands are up, and you know how you ride to a bottom and it's like, man – you know, oh, look, look at like a stand set up mm-hmm. and these feeders set up. You know, you you don't have to have a vision. It's already it's set right up. There, yeah. gives you appeal. And uh, it's definitely worth taking the time to, especially if, if, if the wife's coming. You know, if the wife's coming, she doesn't want to have limbs hitting her, be standing in a snake hole, get stuck. All that type of stuff is going to put a negative vibe in her. She wants to leave that track and say, hey, if you buy me a yellow buggy like this and I can cruise around like I did this afternoon... You, you husband i don't yeah. I, I approve of you buying this yeah. so you you know that that's very important um another good place we get the comps and the uh and you know like alex riser or my buddies with louisiana land bank or any any, any of the, any of these people you call the banks and they usually can provide you with comps in the area uh you know i, I kind of pick the bank that does the most in this area that i know them the best and they can provide you with good comps um and then, of course, we had Landon on here one time. I will shoot stuff up to Landon one sometime, maps and things like that, and just kind of see what his reaction is. on. And a lot of times, I have all this figured out in my head already. I just need somebody else to agree with me, uh, to argue my point to them before I'm trying to argue my point to a buyer or seller, you know, just to make sure that I'm doing everything on my end because my goal is not only to get you, Mr. Seller, the most money you can for you, but it's also to protect you from yourself and tell you reality because I'm not doing my job if I don't sell your place. You know, if I don't sell your place, nobody's winning. So not that I'm trying to sell your place for cheap, but here's reality and here's what it can sell for. If I put it, you know, 30% over market value, I mean, heck, you might as well put it 100% because it it ain't, you know, it ain't selling. So, you know, you protect the seller from their self and have realistic expectations about things. And then when you bring a buyer out there, you know, we represent both sides of a lot of deals. I've got to, I've got to let a buyer know that he's making a good decision mm-hmm. because that's who we are. We, we're not trying to take advantage of anybody. We want our buyers to recommend us to other people. And they say, look, Slade walked me through the process. He told me why this property was worth this. And then when we got to appraisal, it appraised fine. Um you know, some uh, when we come, okay, we've been talking about land and timber and things like that. All right, improvements. So, turnkey is always hot, and it's even hotter right now. The world, as the world gets busier and busier, 
more baseball games, more softball games, more cheerleading, more. You know, it's more. We're just yeah. a busy. We don't even feel like we're moving if we're on extremely busy, and so, so turnkey is huge. Uh, now, as a general rule of thumb, you're not going to make a lot of money in it off improvements. Your goal is to just make it more turnkey. For instance, if you have a 300-acre place and you put a $250,000 camp, you're not going to make a lot of money on that camp. But you can probably get your two fifty back out of it or close to, close to it. It kind of gets in a blended price. Um, what I see so many, not so many, I see a lot of people doing is, you know, you buy 100 acres and then you put a $400,000 camp on it. It's too much. It ha- the, the camp has to balance balance the place, for instance. That's red over there making some noise. Uh, for instance, if you have a 1,000-acre place, you can put a half a million-dollar camp. Those numbers t- t- kind of work. If you have a 200-acre place, you can't put a half a million-dollar camp because people are wanting more land if they're spending that much money. So yeah. you gotta, you got to gotta be smart there. And it's okay if you want to put a million dollar camp on your place. But when you call me, I'm going to tell you reality that you're probably not going to get that much money out of it. It's very seldom that you do. So it's, you know, if you're worried about your kids or your grandkids, give me a call. I will walk you through. I actually have people say what's too much. I like the metal building. Modular homes are really smart these days. If you're going to do a cabin and you're going to spend $150 a square foot on it, um, make sure you make it where most everybody would like it. You know, don't have something that's just so unique that nobody will like it. You gotta, you gotta be, you can't spend $400 a square foot and expect to get it out, you know, to get it out. You may love it and your wife may love it, but you know, somebody else could spend $200 a square foot and accomplish their goals. Um, of course, okay. uh, Shops are, are, are big, nice thing. Shops that are, you know, everybody's got tractors on these places. Everybody's got side-by-sides, deer stands, feed, that sort of thing, place to clean deer. So those are important. And usually you get, if you get a $30,000 shop or a $15,000 pole barn, usually you get about what they're worth. Not, you're not going to make a lot of money there, but it does make the place more attractive, easier to sell because it's turnkey. Um, stands, plot, ponds, lakes, plots, yes. Yes, so go ahead. One of my bullet points was, the water appeal. I mean, mm-hmm. not just you know, a pond. Sellability. Lake, pond, big creek. I mean. You know. Nobody ever rode on a track and said, man, yeah. I wish it didn't have this big old pretty yeah. lake. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves water. Everybody loves nice creeks. Of course, creeks are either there or not. You can't create them. Mm-hmm. Ponds are hard to get your money out of. Uh, you know, it's all, ponds are, every one of them is different, man. Uh, I'm about to put a pond on a place I plan on selling. Uh, because I think I can do it. It's it's a, just a perfect little spot. I can do it for forty grandish, and I think it will add that much to the place. How big? Uh, it's gonna be about four acres, so about ten thousand dollars per surface surface acre, which is kind of a rule of thumb that I've heard from some bankers slash appraisers. Um, don't know how much truth it is to it, but um, places everybody wants a lake. You just uh, you can't you can't spend a million dollars on one and think mm-hmm. you're going to get the money back. You got to be realistic. And there's certain, you know, th- th- they're just, they're hard to get a whole lot of your money back, but everybody wants them. They do make a place more sellable, but sometimes it's hard to get that appraisal value back out of them. Um, stands. Um, I think they help. I, th- I think they're not like a must have, 
but like nice box stands. And I'm not saying you got to go spend a $3,500 on a redneck or, or whatever, but, you know, nice box stands that, you know, we can put a value on them. So if a guy comes in to buy your place and he says, I'll give you this much, and, you know, you can negotiate and say, look, I spent – you know, $17,000 on these box stands and that, and, and you know, you can remove them and he knows he'll have that it'll cost them mm-hmm. m- m- much to replace. So you can usually get a lot of that value back out. Now, something that is, you know, speaking of turnkey, there's very few, and Ryan, new Ryan will tell you this, there's very few tracks I ever ride on say, I wouldn't do anything different. Very few. Uh, so big plots, and things like that, man, they, they make a place sell. And they do. Uh, I don't know if you're getting your money back at them because I don't know how much money you spent. But, man, they make a place sell. People are busy. That is a huge part of turnkey. They know. I mean, box stands, you know, you can put up 10 box stands in a weekend. You know, that's not the end. We, we can fix that really easy. Plots, you got to get your dozer guy out there. Most people don't know what they're doing, which we can help with. But most people, you know, they're worried, can I do this? How much is it going to cost? So if all that stuff's done and they know I can crawl in this box stand and I can see 15 deer and these are the deer pictures right there, all those unknowns make for a higher price. Now, I cannot answer whether you can get your money back out of them because I don't know what you're going to spend to make them. I've got formulas of ways I've spent money to make them where you can get your money back out of them. But, you know, it's you can't go dig up 200-year-old oak stumps and get your money back out of them. It's, it's, it depends on the property. Um, but all the ponds, lakes, stands, creeks, all that turnkey, that it just makes a place more appealing. And sometimes when a place just looks good and turnkey and just great like that, we put a little extra price on it just because you know it's going to sell. You know that if you bring... Three of your clients out there, one of them is going to yeah. buy because, you know, we've been on that buggy enough Do we know what you know, catches what, people, yeah. people's attention. You know, uh, you, when you ride over that hill and you see that perfect campsite and that lake right there, it's hard for you not to buy it. Mm-hmm. And you know that, you know, from doing it over the years. Um, I get so many, speaking of I get so many buyers that they look at a place and, oh, I love it. And the first thing, they, oh, they want too much for it, which I get. Everybody wants to get the best deal out there. But there is a reason, Mr. Buyer, that you love it. There's a reason for that. And that reason, the right, we had a podcast on this, the right spot costs more. So you have to sometimes pull back your pride and say, you know what? I'm not going to win on this, and I'm okay with it because this property is so nice, and this is what I'm looking for. Because if it takes you two years to find that, exact property you're looking for and get and also get the best deal in, you missed out of two you missed mm-hmm. two years with your kids growing up or your grandkids or your family that you're getting or yourself that you're getting hunt on this property. and even then when you got a big list like that you got a lot of boxes to check off and you're trying to get it at a deal you may not even get it in two years it may be 10 years that's I mean, right you, it, you, you'll that, just that does not you, come around you'll look look to death yeah and we've got clients that I've, I've got clients that have been looking for the right place since I, uh, since I started real estate 15 years ago. But, um, oh, let me see. I put I, I, too much camp. I talked about that. Um, okay, this is something good I like. Okay, this is for my buyers out there. When you're looking with an agent, if it's a listing agent or if you have an agent, get him to ask the listing agent, how did you come up with the price? Very good question. Okay, Ryan, I'm a buyer. You got a price listing. 
Um, okay, you got the place listed at five hundred thousand. It looks like you got about a hundred thousand dollar camp. But I'm going to ask you, how did you come up with the price of this place? And you say, all right, Slay, well, you know, this this much timber, it's this much this, with thirty five hundred an acre plus the cost of the camp. Uh, we figured we put about this much on it for the pond, and you know, so you know how he came up with the price, and you can say, well, I don't think that that's yeah, yeah. if you're going to argue the price down you need to have a reason, reason and that's how you come back, up with the reason yeah. you can't just say i don't want to pay that much <clears throat> you can but you're probably going to get a negative response um you know you can you can justify dirt values you can justify timber values you can justify camp values so you know that's a good question as a buyer or if you have an agent to ask the listing agent hey how did y'all come up with the price we get that question all the time but it's good for people out there that don't know okay ask the seller, how did you come up with the price? It, it, it can get you a lot of places um, as far as how figuring out where they putting value. Um, I get, I got an email this morning, and this is a normal email I get. Slate, I like that place. I like that price. I mean, I like that place, and I like the area, but I think y'all are overpriced. And it sounds like I'm being a, uh, I'm, sounds like I'm, I'm being negative to people, when I and and I don't like to, but but I'm I know I'm right. I said, look, I, you may not agree with it, but it's going to sell. Like and 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 how are you going to disagree with a seller and try to jew him down whenever you're he's going to sell it for that price? And you know it doesn't matter if you don't agree with it. For instance, had a guy this morning text me and say, hey, it's late. I like that uh, 108 acres you sent out this morning or yesterday. Uh, I just think y'all are a little high on the price. And I told him. I said, I'd be willing to bet it brings 95% of asking price or more. And and I do not think I'm wrong. I wouldn't have priced it. I set the price. You know, I set the price for the sellers, and I, I wouldn't have priced it right there if I didn't think that. Now, I don't have a crystal ball, um, but me and you know that if it's around 100 acres, 150 acres right now, they it's a million people out there looking. And in that area, heck, we just sold 105 acres that wasn't near as good as that track yeah. just down the road. Uh, and we sold a 296, and we sold a 48, and we sold a 20. 27. All 20, those were in the first two weeks. Uh, in the first two weeks at those type of prices. Yeah. So we, we're not just – we're not saying things that aren't true. I just would like to educate my clients to let them know that, you know, when we set prices, there's a we're very, we're very specific about why we're setting them and why we think they'll bring those prices. So – you know, if you think you're a little high, you know, usually, you know, you got 5 to 10% of negotiation, but, you know, we're probably not allowing for any more than that. Yeah. And look, we can always be wrong. And some places don't sell for some some place. I owned Dixon Creek for three years, and it was gorgeous, yeah. loaded with turkeys, loaded with big bucks. Timber. I thought it would have sold in the first five minutes, and it took three years. I think that was one of my first questions I'd ever ask you when I started working. Everybody was it. was. Why is this thing that sold? Yeah, yeah. Because it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was. Um, but I, I, And I still can't answer that question, but the guy bought it. He loves it, and um, it's loaded up with turkeys and deer, and he had some good deer on camera this year. Well, you have anything else? On, I got some other things off yeah, topic. I, my biggest one in this, it's because I'm working a deal on it right now that is, is why I'm asking this. So this is more of a me question, but deeded easements. Because I know from a buyer's perspective, it' a little scary. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard it on the other end of well, the DDDs nowadays. You really don't affect the price much anymore. What What is your take on that? Some people hate it. Some people love it. You do knock out some of your buyers. You can't help that. You knock out some of your buyers, which can affect the price. You know the thing about it is, 
if like I wish where my I have 132 acres where my house is. I wish I was half a mile up the road. Yeah, you said that and, last and the re- yeah. and the reason yeah. I say that is the front. Uh, I'm up on the highway on Highway 24, high traffic highway. I mean, the front a couple hundred yards of my place I don't use except yeah. to grow timber. Yeah, because the deer aren't up there. Yep. You know, the deer are farther back, so I lose a little bit of that. If you're not planning on splitting the place or anything like that, I have no problem with the easement. The negatives part of the easement, make sure it's a good road, Kept or you can improve nice the road. Yeah. And, of course, if you can get utilities, power, and water, whatever, you, whenever you want to get, which water wells these days is how we normally do that sort of thing, so it's not a big deal, but make sure you can get power. Um, but it, I don't think it really affects a whole lot. You need to understand the easement. You need to ask not me. You need to ask your attorney, okay, what does this easement mean? Can I transfer this mm-hmm. easement? Can I, um, you know, can I improve this easement? Because there's language in those things. You know, yeah. is there a certain time I can access this property? All these things uh, we need to know. But uh, so to answer your question, maybe a little they affect the price, but not a whole whole lot. Yeah. And then, uh, and how far is the easement? Yeah. Yeah. Is is there a road already there? Because that affects. Mm-hmm. If the road's not there, if there's just a, oh, yes, there's an easement right here, but there's no road to get there, that does affect you. I think that was my biggest one. And, uh, you know, with all that being said on how to price your land, look, some things just happen. You know, some places don't sell, some places do sell, and surprises on either. Nobody's perfect. But as a general thumb, we're usually pretty right about these things. All right, next topic. Um it's almost turkey season. Uh, we started the podcast talking about it was almost turkey season last year. And uh, getting excited. As y'all remember, we had a Jake overload last year. And <clears throat> we should uh, make them uh, pay for that this year. We should have a lot of dumb two-year-olds, which is my favorite turkey. I don't care if any of them live past two. I mean, I like a big hook turkey, but I like one that likes to play the game more than anything. So super pumped up about that. I uh, actually uh, stepped out of the truck this morning right after daylight looking at a dozer job. I hooted, didn't hear a turkey gobble, but I walked right down the hill. It's a big old gobbler track. So excited about that. It's the place I own where I'm putting a pond. And uh, so it should be an exciting turkey season. Um, we did kind of a market update. Um, kind of, our, I think within the next two podcasts, we're going to kind of announce publicly what we're doing new hunting show-wise. We have some big changes coming, exciting changes, a little bit scary, uh, but we got some big changes coming. I think it's going to be awesome. I think people that follow this podcast, people who follow us on social media and know us are going to be super excited about it. A totally different twist on the show, um, and it's not going to be like anything ever done out there before. And I know that's term people use, not like anything. No, this is not like anything done in the outdoor space ever done before. And we're hoping to have late March, early April, our first episode out there on that. And I will, uh, maybe next podcast we will do, um, we will announce that. I'm trying to think this is, we're going to probably do a podcast at um, at convention and maybe the one after that we'll do, hey, turkey season's here and this is what we're doing. And we'll have uh, Caleb Bowen on that. I guess the weekend we get back is youth weekend from convention. Youth weekend from United Country Convention. Um, and, uh, Caleb, which I will introduce him, um, whenever we start, we'll, uh, it'll, it'll be fun. Y'all, y'all be listening for that in probably two episodes. All right. I had to, you know, Ryan's been on here a bunch of times, so I can't ask him the million dollar question because he's, 
of course, answered it before. I have a better question for oh, oh, Here we go. All right. Of all the tracks that we, being the Hunt and Lamb Man team, have listed, if you had to buy one right now, and, and let's not do, of course, the most expensive one. If you had to own one right now, which one would it be and why? Good question. Is this what we currently have listed or what we've listed and sold since listed, I started? I, you pick. Oh, Oh, good Lord. It's a um, tough question. So Ryan's been here a year. We sold $57 million worth of real estate last year, so he has a lot to choose from. I'll say this. You, you haven't. Should, you should have told me this beforehand, so I could be thinking about you, it. You That's a lot of properties. You hadn't been to Drake's Bayou that I no, contracted. I no, that, no, that's I a good one. But you, I've seen the pictures on it. It looks pretty solid. You would be. You would. It would be in your thought process, but seeing you can't include that because you hadn't been there. He's a duck hunter, so he's he's considering that. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'd have to say Glengola. I mean, we haven't – have we put it online or anything? So, Glengola, if you're interested, what is Glengola? Go look at my YouTube page. <laughs> yeah. yeah the only, it's the only place where – okay, so Glengola, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. It's four – it's actually 5,600 acres in Fort Adams, Mississippi that we have listed. It's not going public, and you had not seen a lot of advertising around there because we have a part of it sold already to well, – uh, we have 4,000 acres listed, and we have a part of it sold already to an adjoin- basically a joining landowner. Yeah. Uh, we're waiting to get that closed, doing some surveys and stuff now. We're actually working an offer on another yeah. portion of it. Um, Glengola is blacktop road frontage. And look, it's still available. We don't have a deal on it. So if anybody's looking for something like this, and it's not going to be any small tracks. It's going to have a, a, a lot of zeros behind any of these deals. Blacktop road frontage. One hour from Baton Rouge, you turn left, you're in the hills chasing deer and turkeys, squirrels, all that kind of stuff. You turn right, you're chasing deer, ducks, and catching sackalay, all off blacktop road frontage. 500-year-old cypress trees in the bottoms. I mean, it's 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 unlike if you if you're if you're like what in the world is he talking about? Go look at my YouTube page, Hunting Land Man, and look at the video. Um, we're gonna probably go in live with some portions of that here soon we're just being respectful of our buyers that are already working deals on it and uh trying to trying to get get some surveying done and kind of figure out some things but uh really cool property i, I was, that was thinking my that, hands down my favorite to video mm-hmm. without a doubt out of all the videos i made that one from the opening scene just you can just tell it's special it really is it really is um we uh, it's a good track, and and it's one of the ones that's starting letting us start off with a really good year. Like I said, we got twelve pending, got three contracts out, got two listings went on yesterday. We're rocking and rolling. Neg- a negative thing when you're selling as much as we've been selling right now, you got to keep as many listings coming as you're selling because you're running out of inventory. And we're not right now. We've been very fortunate, and we're always working on new listings. So if we don't have the things that you're interested in right now. We're getting them every day. Like yesterday, we didn't have 100 acres in Amet County for sale. Yeah. Today, we do. Um, uh, we got that one. We got a 525 acres, good timber track, Amet County price right to sell. Really good track. Got a couple gobblers on it. We saw the other day. Well, Ryan saw mm-hmm. the other day, and I saw the mm-hmm. tracks. Um, so we've got we've got some good stuff right now. Uh, this year is rocking and rolling. I do not see prices going down, nor do people smarter than me see prices going down for the foreseeable future. 
Uh, I know people are out there, yeah, right, slave, this thing will have to end soon. Well, we've been saying it for two years. And, and, and it's, I, I listen to people way smarter than me in the real estate financial game, and I, we're not even close to there. I can remember when I first started, y'all talking about there's no way we'll top 2020 and 2021. Topped it. Mm-hmm. And now, same conversation. Now we've started out. I think we're probably, in terms of bigger trade, I mean, we're starting off better oh, yeah. this year than last year, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And then we've got some big contracts out there right now. So, well, this was a good, pretty, pretty quick one. I think we really, <coughs> we really answered the question: How do you price your land from a buyer and seller standpoint? Remember, if from a buyer standpoint, you know it's not always about winning the negotiation. Whenever you're you're buying a land, find out why they priced it this way, and if they have justification for it. You can't just say, "Oh, they won't." Five hundred thousand. I'm gonna give them four hundred because I want to win. That's that's not fair. I mean, not that you have to be fair, but don't expect you know don't expect if if you don't figure out why. But uh, super excited about convention and what we have going on uh, in turkey season with the new show. Got a lot going on there. It's gonna be real fun. Uh, got a lot going on in Missouri. Um, I went ahead and put going what, up there this, this season. Turkey oh yeah, season. we'll be up there tur- uh, during. Uh, we're going turkey hunt Missouri and Iowa when we go. We got Walnut Hills on the market. Uh, we bought another 198 that we're getting cleaned up and going to get it on the market and all this kind of stuff. So we got a lot going on. But uh, that's going to be about it to how to price your land. New Ryan, New Ryan and I are going to head to lunch. And won't be long. We'll be chasing turkey birds. So y'all have a blessed day. Hey, thank you for listening to the Hunt and Land Man podcast. If you will, take a moment, give us a five-star written view, guys. This really helps us out. And if you know anybody you think will be interested in this podcast, please share it with them.